developing your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Major Spoilers theme song! The Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. Pod- on, on the air. The Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. On the air. Pod, pod, podcast... Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen. If you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, podcast, the Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. Everyone, welcome to the weekend edition of the Major Spoilers podcast. So glad you could join us. Pod, 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 podcast. Pop, 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 podcast. Now, if everyone listened to Tuesday's or Wednesday's show, and I would recommend that before we get into this discussion, if you haven't listened to Wednesday's show, that you go back and download it and listen to the whole show in its entirety. Pay special attention to the conversation. While you're looking for it, click a few links, especially the ones that look like ads. Uh, Especially the section where we talk about Bean World, because there were a couple of comments that were brought up that got me thinking. And I thought we could kind of expand upon it in this weekend show, maybe. Mm, see how maybe. far it goes. So, Rodrigo, you Lost. made a you made a comment because you were so excited about Bean World, mm-hmm. and you said that you had one concern in that it all turns to crap eventually. Everything were, good turns to crap. Everything good turns to crap eventually. And I mean that may be the way it is in real life too. I mean, mm-hmm. not just comic books. Give me some examples. And I'll ask Matthew to do the same thing. Give me some examples of things that went really good, and then it just turned to crap, and you just kind of stopped reading it. Um, well, I think a lot of the a lot of your mainstay comic books, mm-hmm. you know, because they've been around for so long, have mostly crap cycles where right. you know eventually they turn to crap, and then they come back out, and somebody right, cleans right. them up, and they turn to crap again. Mm-hmm. You know, anything X Men. Spider-Man, Superman, Batman, all of those titles have been good, then bad, then good again. Right, right. Um, a lot of people will argue that's that happened to Star Wars, you know? Um, you know, yeah. you had a good thing. You had a good thing with the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. And then they had to make the prequels, and that just, you know, introduced terrible things like Metachlorians and... Um, Jar Jar Binks. Jar Jar Binks, and, you know, Gungans in general, and, and, and <laughs> things like that. Because Rodrigo sure, anti Gungan. Sure, in one um um well I'm I'm all for the equitable treatment of Gungans, <laughs> not just using Gungans that are funny to humanoids <laughs> and near humans. You know, that doesn't advance the uh the Gungan, the, the, the Gungan initiative, agenda, yeah, yeah, the agenda. initiative. Yeah. Um but anyway, um you know, before an expanded universe stuff, yeah, you had crazy green rabbits and in some for some reason some droids had names that weren't awesome numbers mm-hmm. and you know you had entire races of creatures that were way too powerful and didn't actually fit into the star, the, the Star Wars universe. But that's okay cuz that's all like sea level canon. Mm-hmm. Um the original or not the original but the uh the prequel trilogy introduced things that some people frankly hated that became 
actual legitimate George Lucas stamp of approval THX 1138 canon. Right, right. Matthew, what about you? Is there some stuff that you thought was really, really good that eventually turned to crap? Oh, yeah, everything. I think that the one that sticks with me more than anything, um, at least right this very second, I'll have five more tomorrow. Um, I don't know if you guys remember a little thing we like to call World Championship Wrestling, WCW. Mm -hmm. In in the mid-'90s, they did this whole big thing where Kevin Nash and Scott Hall supposedly came down as invaders from the North. They were implied to be from the other people, the other from WWF. Uh, invading and they fought and they fought and the NWO got huge. And as that started to trackle down, there was uh, a wrestler who got really popular by the name of Goldberg. Goldberg had a winning streak, endless winning streak, 198 wins. And when he finally got beaten, he got beaten by Kevin Nash, one of the members of the NWO. So we've set up a really, you know, interesting sort of feud between the the new hotness and, you know, the old guy. The old guy. And so the next night, yeah, the next night after the pay-per-view when Goldberg is beaten, right, rematch for the World Heavyweight Championship, what happens? They shuffle Goldberg aside. They bring out Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan punches, literally, not even punches, pokes Kevin Nash in the chest with a finger. Nash falls down, lays down. Hulk Hogan pins him one, two, three, and takes the title back. They had at least four months of money-making feud. They had a huge angle, a hot character, a character who had a possibility to come back to being hot. You know, this could have revitalized the entire NWO franchise, mm-hmm. and they burned it because they had one guy who had an ego and couldn't let go. And at that point, WCW, uh, what, two years later, WCW went out of business, was sold to their main competitor, and none of those guys have really had much of a career since. Goldberg, Nash, Hogan, all of them, you know, we're, we'll always be dogged by those terrible decisions right at the end there. Mm-hmm. Goldberg was awesomely in an episode of uh, Law & Order Special Victims Unit. <laughs> he, he <laughs> Which, puts... surprisingly, is a show that has not turned to crap in all the years that it's been on. Uh, yeah, I, I would argue that. Yeah, I, yeah. It, well, it, has, I mean, it has had near-crap moments, it, definitely. In my opinion, there are... There are television shows especially that have turned to crap i mean heroes lost um yeah shows that the thing that i hate is the tease the extended tease mm-hmm. you know you can go with, with mm-hmm. a tease for a while but then if you don't deliver on those teases right. that in my opinion is the moment when things turn to crap when essentially it's like i'm not playing your silly games anymore i know what you're trying to do mm-hmm. uh, uh, go away Right. I mean, and, and I think we see that in com- I'm definitely we see that in comic books, but and there are things that I have disliked over time that eventually got better, but then again, gets really I mean, I guess for me Flash is Mark Wade's Flash run mm-hmm. is one of the greatest Flash runs of all time. And then it turned to crap after right. that. And I guess the question Wasn't there some is, space in between there or or Yeah, there was some space in between. Right. There. But the so I was asking Everything turns crap eventually, but now the bigger question is, why? Why does it eventually turn to crap? In the case of comic books, for me, it's because a new writer comes on board, Mm -hmm. and the new writer says, well, I have to make my mark, Mm -hmm. 
So therefore, I'm going to discount everything that came before or change everything, retcon everything that has come before and put my stamp on it. And to be honest, Mark Wade kind of did that uh, with, with his flash run. But sometimes it works. And sometimes it really works. But it seems lately that that's the reason why a lot of people say comics turn to crap is because someone comes in, you know, the the uh, JMS run on that Thor that we mm-hmm. were reading was really, really good. And then he left. That's when I stopped reading because I can't say that the series got better. And well, in fact, because then it, it started, it, it went into Scrollapalooza right. and then it went into other, other yeah. events. And that so were essentially it kind of got crappy. I, I, I think it's, it's more basic than a new writer coming in because you see that with big events. You see mm-hmm. that with new writers. You see that with big changes to the franchise itself. And that is a violation of the arc and mm-hmm. a violation of the story. You know, what makes stories good is content Mm -hmm. it's how good is the story how cohesive it is how interesting it is right when outside influences affect that story either truncating it or expanding it beyond its natural lifetime saying oh no 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 no. this is good lost is good make it more mysterious make it one more season keep going keep stretching it keep adding more things let's have a fourth indiana jones when you violate the that contract with the story things turn to crap when you add another you know sometimes you know it's like it's great to have more diversity it's great to have you know either you know socially racially whatever but sometimes characters get added to shows and to comics for no reason other than to fill a quota mm-hmm that is a violation of the story, and people tend to hate him. People of the ethnicities or worldview or whatever that those characters are even supposed to represent often end up hating them even more than just your, you know, average reader not really liking a new addition to the character to, mm-hmm. to to the roster, right, or whatever. Or when Fonzie jumps the shark, or cousin, uh, what's his name from Brady Bunch? Exactly. An- another thing. Cousin Oliver. Oliver when, that's right. when you violate the the storyline, when you violate that, that contract of, well, you know what? This is a space book. It's about a bunch of space guys going into space, but vampires are hot. Let's have them fight vampires. And there are good ways to do it, but there are mostly crappy ways to do it. And when you break that contract, y- the story turns to crap. Matthew, is that why? Is there something else? There are a number of other things. There are two things that really strike me as happening. One is comics specifically are pretty much written and edited in and 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 a huge corona of utter pants wetting fear that the thirty or forty thousand people who always read this stuff are gonna go away. So comics have a tendency to do one of two extremes to respond to that. Either well, hell, let's reboot it and redo what Stan and Jack did, or worse. Um, I don't know if you guys remember Checkmate Volume 2. Greg Rucka relaunched this out of 52, and he did yeah. it really well. Yeah, I remember. Spy stories and, yeah. and black ops and maneuvering. And in issue 24, Rucka left, and they're like, oh, my God, we don't have Rucka. If we don't have Rucka, then we don't have this. Let's do something different. Let's bring in someone to do something completely different. In the hopes that, you know, we can draw a new audience because obviously no one's going to be able to do the original stuff as well as Greg Rucka. Or Power Girl with Judd Winnick. Exactly. They bring in Bruce Jones, who basically destroys the book. Mm -hmm. And the other issue that really comes to me is, and it's the NWO again, because again, a lot of my formative years involved bad wrestling. Mm -hmm. 
There's only so many times you can go back to any particular well. Yes. Yes. And when you don't, when you don't realize the well is dry and you keep giving me, you know, loser broke Peter Parker sponging off of his, his grand great aunt or you give me, you know, Clark Kent realizing that superpowers can't stop a child from being beaten to death in Metropolis. Or, you know, you give me the same thing that we just saw. You give me the 15th iteration of Daredevil as, you know, this awesome ninja dude who's racked with guilt about being racked with guilt over something. No, Estique, why? <laughs> it just, it can't. It, it's it, no no story will ever be self sustaining forever. You cannot just keep going back to days of future past and expect days of future past to always be days of future past. Eventually, it's all going to settle down and it's just going to be you know days of future past part ten, son mm. of the return of the revenge of the living monolith electric boogaloo. Well, and and you we've know, talked it, about it. You, yeah, we we've talked about it before with you know something like Kingdom Come, where you know everybody loved Kingdom Come except for Matthew, which is legitimate. He has you know <laughs> issues with it. Um, I do too, honestly. But yeah, the 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 good the the good outweighs the bad for me. But every issue that Kingdom Come Superman was in during like prior to the crisis to end all crises, yeah, um, j- was just one basically taking one page of Kingdom Come and just ripping it out. And the next time he's on there, or Magog is walking around, just take that page and just rip it out. Other works make Kingdom Come less important, less impactful. Is it not a uh, violation of the uh, or violation of the contract of the story that you were talking about, Rodrigo, but is it a violation of the the pact, the relationship that the creator has made with the mm-hmm. reader, the viewer, the listener, you know, whatever that may be. I think uh, so, yeah. that, that I think ruins it. I mean, a perfect example, again, I mentioned Fonzie jumping the shark. You know, Happy Days, when it ran from like 74 to 84, it ran for 10 years mm-hmm. and was supposed to be a reflection of the mid-50s to early 60s. And it kind of outstayed its welcome as portraying that, that time period. And I think that 70s show kind of did the same thing. Right. At one point, the focus changed from Richie Cunningham and the events that were going on in his life to Arthur Fonzarelli and Chachi and, and Urkel and Mork from Ork and Urkel and all these characters that you're throwing in. Mm-hmm. And it, it just wore out the audience to the point where they're like, eh, come on, Fonzie jumping a shark. He may have been cool, right? but the guy's 45 and still living upstairs above the Cunningham's garage. And, and you know, this is a sitcom. He's a person, right? Like he, he jumped a shark. That's ridiculous. Right. Well, yes, that was, that's (laughs) what, that's what gave us the figurative, right. right. Jumping of sharks. Right. And so I'm, I'm wondering if it's not that violation Mm -hmm. of that contract that the creators have with the reader that eventually turns into crap, which then brings me back around to bean world with, Larry Mader is the sole creator, Martyr. writer, or martyr, I'm sorry, um, the head honcho of everything mm-hmm. with Bean World. So as long as he evolves and continues to follow what he has, and you speculated that he had this whole story planned out, 
And he's not violent. He's not going off on these wildly divergent tangents. Mm-hmm. Then Bean World should never be crap. Potentially. Right? I mean, potentially. Well, but I, I mean, so your I mean, your fear about this series is going to be crap. Does that is, make it is, go away? Definitely, it doesn't completely make it go away. Okay. Um, I think that the first volume of Bean World that that we talked about is definitely exploration of the universe of Bean World, and I think mm-hmm. that that was solid from the beginning. Right. He knows what Grandma Pa is. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not making it up as he goes. Right. So that for that reason is why I felt safe in that. You know, you look at something like Cerebus. Um, Cerebus was huge, wildly critically acclaimed at points mega crap right from what i've heard right you know, i haven't read that much of it but there are people who are just like i can't believe that this that this cerebus is my cerebus mm-hmm. you know even though it was the same writer throughout the whole thing it's just sometimes sometimes just just because a single writer has control of it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be good throughout what about bone you, you've had the pleasure of reading that whole series, right? Yes. But Bone is one cohesive storyline, whereas mm-hmm. Cerebus has several arcs. Right, right. Um, and, you know, you can argue that so does Bone, but Bone, you know, has a beginning and an end, whereas I think Cerebus was just kind of a ongoing exploration of his life. You know, I'll... You know, and this isn't going to make sense to anyone except for me, but... <laughs> um, and, and possibly a couple other people. But you look at Buffy the Vampire Slayer. right. I think the first season of Buffy was great. The second season was okay. And then after that, it was crap, even though Joss so, Whedon... After she died and was brought back to life? I don't actually remember when I, okay. when I jumped out, but I just remember thinking, you know, this is this is not what I signed up for kind of thing. Like, this is kind of turning into, like, if I'm going to watch something like this, I might as well get it out of a comic book mm-hmm. or soap opera. Okay. Um, And... Joss Whedon was involved from the very beginning to the end and past the, you know, Buffy being reanimated in paper form. Sure. Um, But to me, at some point, he violated that contract that I had with him. Mm -hmm. You know, the story turned into something that I didn't want anymore. And even though he was still the head writer for the show or producer or, you know, was heavily involved in some uh, in some way, um, it's the show became unwatchable for me. Okay, Matthew is. Um, this idea that maybe if it's if it stays with one creator and the creator has a direction that it's not going to be crap, does that hold true to you, or or do you kind of side with Rodrigo? Oh no, 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 not at all. Um, it, it it honestly, it's going to depend on what that creator's intention is. I mean, an example of something that stayed with one creator and did the same thing, but started well for me and then ended so oh so very badly. Frank Miller's Sin City. The beginning of Marv's tale had me. It was amazing. I was just, oh my God, this is awesome. And then it got worse. And then it got worse. And then a cannibal cut the hand off a beautiful woman just because she knew Marv and made her watch as he ate it. And I'm like, this is, this is going places that I didn't want. This is going places where my, you know, my badass tough guy noir story wasn't supposed to go. Yeah. And by the time we got to like that fifth or sixth iteration of, you know, a horrible, brutal gargoyle gets laid by a stripper before dying painfully and manly, I was just like, no, you know, it, it doesn't work for me. And that was ostensibly, I'm sure, Frank Miller's intention from the very beginning. But for me going in and not knowing 
this is going to be hyper violent, hyper sexual, you know, swinging dick testosterone laden psychoses. It started from a place that I liked and from a familiar place that was going to show me new things about the noir stories that I liked. And then it ended up just, you know, kind of devolving into, you know, torture porn and literal porn. So mm-hmm. the problem that comes for me is not when the story goes bad, I guess, so much as where I expect that story to go. Where can that story go? I make the, you know, the remark repeatedly, like unmasking Spider-Man. Quesada said, yes, these are stories that have never been told, and we have stories that can never be told before. I'm like, yes, you do. You have about one one thousandth of the possible stories that could be told with a masked Spider-Man that have never been told with an unmasked Spider-Man. And two years later, they retconned it away because it's a closed-ended loop. Mm -hmm. So if I go into Spider-Man reading The Adventures of Spider-Man and thinking, you know, I'm going to have this wise-cracking teenager who does stuff and looks like Tobey Maguire and swings around, and I get, you know, The Adventures of a Middle-Aged Man with a Wife and a Kid, you know, for all the things that may or may not have happened in One More Day, I can see where that might have at least some merit mm-hmm. in the fixing it. But if I went in knowing and having read Peter Parker for years and years and years and seeing Peter Parker evolve into this married man who had this life and responsibilities to have that immediately, you know, wind back. There's a reason why people were angry about that because they went in with an implied bond an implied expectation of where that story would go and that story went someplace that, you know, a, a vocal a vocal number of people just weren't good with. Sure, but I mean, in the, in the terms of Spider Man, though, you're talking about in the last it seems like in the last five years, a bazillion different writers taking on Spider Man mm-hmm. and serving up their interpretation. Right. But when we look at Xenozoic Tales, and I'm sitting here looking at this wonderful trade paperback that came this past week. From Mark Schultz that collects the entire Xenozoic Tales that we have uh, talked about on the show in a much larger than comic size format. The only thing downside is it doesn't contain the beautiful covers Mm -hmm. from the series. But it's got all of Mark Schultz's stuff. And thinking back on the Xenozoic Tales, as we talked about on one of the previous podcasts, this basically works from beginning to end. And Mm -hmm. he had a direction. And it doesn't doesn't disappoint. It doesn't turn to crap. It does, you know... um, Trying to think of another one that's kind of a singular. Uh, I'll give you another example of a of one that doesn't turn to crap, and then one that kind of did turn to crap, very similar to the way Sin City did. And that would be the um, um. Well, I can't think of the the one that I want to off the top of my head. One that I have stopped reading. I'm a big fan of of a bunch of web comics, and for years I was following a particular web comic passionately. Mm-hmm. And then an event happened in the writer, in the creator's life that totally changed. And then he went away and, well, basically he got a divorce from his wife mm-hmm. and his whole comic book was about, I love my wife right. and we have such a great relationship. Well, and it wasn't about him and his wife, but the characters right, were based right, on right. it. Uh, and then it, he comes back and now he's got a comic book that's about... 
more religious themes and tones. Mm-hmm. And now he's married to somebody else within the last year. And it's kind of like, ah, it kind of just put me off in the new direction that he was taking this. Mm-hmm. And that was off-putting. Now, they're two separate they're two separate works. works. And really, if you're going to do that, that's probably the way to do it. Right. Um, but it did kind of sour me on mm-hmm. that webcomic. Uh, but that is a single creator working in two different ways. Kind of like a little bit like what Sin City did, set in a set universe, but different stories, stories going along that line. So that's, I mean, I can understand where you're coming from, Matthew, with Spider-Man, but when we're talking about single creator-owned stuff, well, and, and what about, I mean, does did Invinci- has Invincible turned to crap, or has The Walking Dead turned to crap? Uh, well, it depends. I mean, I in mean, my opinion, Walking Dead was never anything that was super spectacular to begin right. with. It's a zombie tale. But Invincible, it's had some highs and lows, but it hasn't got to the point where this is B. B. This is BS. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure the... the ongoing uh, fan reaction is still we love Invincible. Yeah. Matthew? Invincible has had its lows, but I don't think that the single creator theory really holds that much water. Now, I can definitely see examples of uh, a single creator stuff that holds its integrity, for lack of a better word, longer or better. Mm -hmm. And I think part of that comes from the inherent limitations of the creator. I mean, Larry Martyr's books came out months and months apart because Larry Martyr created them and worked over them and slaved over them and put as much, you know, into it as he could. And Invincible is a book that, you know, Bob Kirkman loves and puts out every month. The quintessential example for this would be The Savage Dragon, a book that Eric Larson loves, a character Mm -hmm. that Eric Larson has loved since childhood and has been able to do all sorts of stories with. But really, if you look at the 180 odd issues of that book, it's not the same story over that length of time. It's changed. The protagonist has changed in his, you know, his way of looking at things. The it's gone from a cop to a sci-fi to a superhero to a post-apocalyptic tale, you know, there have been all sorts of changes. So I don't necessarily think that having a single creator involved makes for a better story or a more coherent story. I feel like it's easier for a single coherent story to come out of one person who has control of everything. But yeah, it definitely has you know, a better the chance. Episode, right, right. The episode one example comes into it. George Lucas had people you know, kibitzing and studio notes on Star Wars and Empire. Episode one, I'm sure he had pretty close to damn unfettered rain. Mm-hmm. And what came of it is probably the weakest movie of all six. In fact, certainly the weakest movie of all six. Because I, I'd say the so, creator, yeah. yeah, the creator, given that much control, may have undermined himself. So is there a signpost that you should be looking out for that people should be looking out for something that says hey this is about to turn to crap get out now i i think it's your gut i think you know there's always things that kind of preface it i'm i'm actually i'm pretty good at telling whether a movie is going to suck for me Mm -hmm. um from previews there have just from trailers there have been a few that have fooled me for example i thought bolt was gonna suck and i actually enjoyed it yeah um i thought Transformers 2 might be good, but even then I was like, eh. and then when I actually saw it, it was like, 
mega crap right as far as i was concerned you know i could tell that x-men 3 was gonna suck for me i could tell that spider-man 3 was going to suck for me and i think that sometimes people just need to go with that you know you you need to prepare yourself when you get that gut reaction i have a lot of friends who are like no no spider-man's awesome no 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 seriously spider-man 3 was good and i'm like okay well what about this thing what about this other thing and they're like yeah no but it was still pretty good like you know like, you know when something stops making sense to you. Don't fight that. Don't try to say, oh, no, 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 But I love Frank Miller. It's like, there might be stuff by Frank Miller that you don't like. There might be stuff within Sin City, even if you love the entire thing of Sin City, that you don't like. Right. right. And that's okay. It's okay right. for you to not like certain things. Don't yeah. force yourself to watch something mm-hmm. or to love something because that's actually going to damage your psyche. That's bad <laughs> for you. Matthew, is there a signpost mm-hmm. for suckage? Yeah, and the problem is, Rodrigo nailed it. It's personal. It's got to be personal because suckage, uh, saying that something sucks is a completely meaningless, subjective statement. For me, I have to look at things that I consider to be creators who are beyond the average, creators who I consider to be like super geniuses. And there are still points in... Season four of The Twilight Zone, where Rod Serling is overworked, where Rod Serling has done this for so long that, you know, an episode like The Fear devolves into parody of The Twilight Zone. It's like two Rod Serlings talking at each other for an hour. There are moments where, and, you know, I'm probably going to be shot in the head for saying this, but there are moments where, especially if you listen to anything from the Plastic Ono Band onward, you kind of wonder, you know, what happened to the John Lennon who wrote the Love Me Do's and who wrote mm-hmm. the White Albums and the Long and Winding Roads and the things that he did. There are points where it, classic creators come apart at the seams. Ravage 2099 is Stan Lee. Okay. Stan Lee wrote Ravage 2099, and it is one of the most god-awful comics you will ever read. Same man who conceptualized the Fantastic Four, created Spider-Man, created the Silver Surfer. You know, the basic building blocks of comic book universes as we know them also gave us the story of an intergalactic garbage man who had Wolverine's hair. Uh, you know, you know there, Stan Lee there, is a good example of total hit and miss stuff i mean you talk about somebody reinventing the way that people do things and you talk about somebody who has had who put out stripperella hey don't you bad talk stripperella <laughs> matthew you just had a birthday yesterday you are now 40 years old <gasps> rodrigo is still relatively young he has yet to hit that 3-0 mark in fact mm-hmm. i'm not even sure he's hit the 2-5 mark have you Yes. Okay, he's at the 2-5 mark, so at least his insurance has gone down. Rodrigo's like 27 or something. I what? Am, I am, in fact, at the point of this recording, 27 years now, old. Now, Rodrigo may be a little bit of an exception to the next statement, but as we get older, we make these revelations that this is the way things are going to always play out, right? Things are eventually going to suck. Hmm. Um, I go into... and general my general practice or my general thought process is going into anything be it work be it a project be it a movie be it a tv show whatever is yes the previews may be exciting but ultimately this is going to be very disappointing Mm -hmm. so automatically my expectations Mm -hmm. are already lowered pretty far going into anything 
just because of years of mm-hmm. bitter disappointment, Star Trek fours, you know, all of this kind of <laughs> stuff. Well, actually, Star Trek four is actually pretty good, but you know, the Star Trek fives. Right. Why does God need a spaceship? Um, <laughs> to the point where, if it's if it if it goes above that baseline, that very low baseline, then I become mildly entertained. Sometimes has that happened you'll clap to you your hands and go, yay! Yay, that is so good. Matthew, has that happened as you've gotten Uh-oh. older? Have your expectations been lowered on everything so that you go in essentially thinking that something is going to be bad and then turn around being mildly surprised when it isn't? On a base, on a base level, a psychological base level, you and I differ in that you have what I perceive to be a mostly cynical view of the world in that people are bastard-covered bastards with a bastard filling, and occasionally <laughs> actually, good things happen. Actually, I tend to, if you really want to know, is I generally, probably up until about six years ago, generally had the belief that all people are good, and why would you do something bad to someone else? Mm-hmm. But over time, that that ball, that sphere of thinking has shrunk and shrunk and shrunk to the point where, yeah... yeah don't come to me with your with your story because I've heard it before and I know you're just BSing me. Right. And nine time nine point nine times out of ten, I'm right about it. Hmm? Oh, I'm sorry well, I couldn't get my homework turned in. My uh, most my statistics are made up, it. and seventeen percent of the people <laughs> realize that. I but think I mean, that from a perspective, you you are in, and you know, it, I, I think I have always been somewhat more cynical than I am for damn yeah. good reason. That's where yeah. your brain comes from. Right. But you and I are at, we are right now exhibiting an actual psychological, this is an actual psychological theory, the difference between fluid and crystallized intelligence. Basically, it states that when you're young, no, when you're young, you operate under the fluid intelligence. You learn problem solving. You learn there's a pattern here, A, A, B, A, A, B. As you age, especially as you age in, you know, places like you and I are working where there's a lot of brain work and not a whole lot of anything else, you start to realize on your acquired knowledges. What you've learned becomes your guidepost for what's going to happen. Nine times out of ten, when someone brings you that sob story for why their final wasn't, you know, complete or why they didn't get their project completed, they're full of crap. And the reason you know that is because you have enough experience crystallized right. knowledge intelligence right. to tell you whereas you know that 19 year old kid who's bringing you this sob story doesn't realize you heard it three times today yeah so well and that's the why measurement said, of what that's why i was asking if your views have become more crystallized now that you're older maybe compared to rodrigo who might still be in that fluid state mm-hmm. of wow everything is gonna be super awesome yeah because that's definitely what well, i'm like I'm, that's why i'm saying you're kind of the exception yeah, that's what but rodrigo's peers, actually though, more cynical than i am too but your peers though are the ones that sit around going oh no this is gonna be awesome that's and then are very disappointed when it's not totally awesome well yeah but i've that's met 40 i've i've met 40 to 50 year old people who oh, are like oh yeah, man yeah. oh man yeah, yeah, yeah. a new star wars movie is coming out y'all <laughs> and i'm like you know what daryl that's just not gonna <laughs> be as good wait as you think. for that to be out in 3d oh snap well and um <laughs> you know my view of things and and you know we'll we'll go back to to, to talking about pop culture in a bit but you know you're talking about people and people coming to you and doing this my point of view of people is strictly scientific 
you know, I always think that people are animals mm -hmm. and they're always trying to expend the minimum amount of energy necessary right. and have successful strategies so that they can reproduce mm -hmm. and s stay alive long enough to do it. Yeah. And honestly, that's about all you need. You know, that's that's how I operate and that's how I see people as operating. Once you figure out what their life strategies are, people are a lot easier to deal with and honestly a lot easier to like you know it, it it's it's harder for somebody to fool you when you are when they approach you with someone is like what could this person possibly be getting out of this right and right. you know it sounds cynical but it's true i mean you know there's a there are there's a documented thing that people get out of giving to charity. Mm -hmm. Charity sort of makes no sense mm -hmm. except that people are very driven by their own pleasure, their own guilt and and things like that. So when somebody feels better when they give to charity, it makes sense that they would give to charity. Yep. Um I personally yep. don't give a lot to charity because I kind of don't get it. Um, you don't get charity. I kind of I I don't get why people are so drawn to it. I understand the need for it. Mm -hmm. Um obviously there's always people that are less fortunate, which is where any of my charitable donations ever come from. Right. Um but so we I, can't... I don't feel guilty. <laughs> right. You know, I don't feel right. oh there are people who don't, you know, who uh, are, are less fortunate than I. I don't feel guilty about that. I do feel bad when faced with that situation yeah. but i'm not like oh i have so much and people have nothing you know that's not that's not how my brain operates um matthew who's the most cynical of the three of us uh, if i were looking at it from just flat out what do i think what do i perceive i would say you but you are also in a professional role that forces you to be the most pragmatic, the most cynical, and the one who has to really look for those ulterior motives and look deeper because you are in that publisher parish, stab him in the head, kick him in the ass kind of society. Yeah. Whereas I, I'm the, I'm the blind man in the kingdom of the blind. I, I really like my job because I feel like, and I, I feel like I try really hard not to say this, but I feel like I am probably a little quicker on the uptake than your average schmuck. I'm not just some jabroni in off the street. You know, I've been around. Right. I feel like as a reasonably intelligent person, probably in the upper level of your average intelligence, being surrounded by idiots gives me an advantage in that I'm not necessarily going to be faster. I'm not going to be necessarily stronger. I'm not necessarily going to be more talented but I can damn well pay a bloody attention to things that they don't, can't, or won't see. So mm -hmm. being in, you know, the job where I am, where I am kind of like, and I am, you know, I, I relish being recognized as the smart guy who you can go and say, hey, what's up with this? Oh, well, make sure you, you know, pull this sock code off and add the appropriate sock code, but turn the letter E to a letter V and it'll work fine. Mm -hmm. I like being that guy. So I like being in the situation where people come to me and say, hopefully, do you know the answer to this question? But also, I have a belief that, well, and it, it stems from a, a belief that I have about dating that I've had for years, and that every woman is beautiful if you catch her at the right point. Every person <laughs> is delightful and wonderful if you catch them at the mm -hmm. right point. Yeah. Even the biggest son of a bitch in the world loves his mom, you know, 
Yeah. Uh, Hitler may have never played Risk as a kid, but I'm sure, you know, his landscapes, I, I'm told, are lovely. And, you know, I, I threw the H-bomb in there. I apologize uh-huh. for the inconvenience. But when, when, you, when you really go down to it, for me, people act the way they do because of the external factors that they feel they need to act. People are bastards because they need to be or they want to be or they want something that being a bastard will get them. But I feel mm-hmm. like that everybody is sweet. You know what was wonderful for me yesterday? I what work in a call center. Mostly young women, secretarial types. We get, we get people from childcare, people from fast food, and people from exotic dancing. Basically, strippers, burger flippers, and uh, babysitters show up a lot. Mm-hmm. And this one young lady who sits near me, she's kind of a soccer mommy type, wanders around in a shawl. She's kind of, you know, the big sister. Oh, do you need a hug? I looked at a penny and I'm like, oh, they changed the back of the penny. And she got up all excited. She's like, I know. And look, it looks just like Captain America's old shield. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I was just filled. Uh, I was filled with this delight, this joyful moment of connection that this person that I thought was one thing was actually a secret nerd girl who understood and spoke the language that I thought I, I was the only one who knew. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, just that moment right there, that moment for me was just like, I'm always going to remember the time that Mandy made the Captain America joke. Yeah, I mean, I can understand. I'm just trying to put it, kind of trying to figure out what is this idea of do people not see the signpost? I mean, do people not see what's going on? Do people not know that? Yeah, you're right. Eventually it all does turn to crap. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and, I, I've and, been at, at this job now, and I missed receiving my 10-year pin the other day because my son was sick. Mm. Bastard always ruined my, ah, my, one ah, moments, ah. my one moments where I can get some recognition. Um, hey, we prefer the term differently legitimate, thank you very much. <laughs> but the, uh, <laughs> the thing is, it, it's taking me 10 years of being in this area mm-hmm. to really say... I can I can tell you with 90% certainty what's going to happen next. Someone came in today and said, oh, well, they want to do this and want to spend this money. Any chance we can get it? And I'm like, well, okay, this is how much money they're going to spend. This is what they're wanting to do. It would be great for our students to have access to this, but they're not going to do it because our students already are above that base minimum. Right. They're going to go with the people that have little experience of this so they can measure better results. Now, that's only because I've been observing it for 10 years. Well, sure. And know that that's going to happen. So the person I was talking to this was just like, thought I wasn't willing to listen to their ideas or thought I was poo-pooing their ideas. And it's not. I said, look. You were set in your ways. No, and it's not me being set in my ways. I said, look, I will go to this person and put in the request if you give me a good enough justification, but this is going to be the answer. You do realize that. Mm -hmm. And they just couldn't get into their head. Why would they do that? We're the most qualified for this. And it's like. No, we're not. We're overqualified for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like whenever I go into a movie or watch a television show, I'm going to say, I have no expectations that this is going to be good at all. Because of based on past experience, most oh, yeah. things in this setup are not going to be that good. Mm-hmm. And then if it turns out to be good, like the Amazing Spider-Man, Dan Slott's Amazing Spider-Man, I'm pleasantly surprised. I like this. Will it eventually turn to crap? Well, yeah, it's Peter Parker. Everything turns to crap for him. But eventually Dan Slott's going to move on, 
or he's going to get a mandate to incorporate this into a bigger storyline, and the interest is going to fall off, and they're going to bring back, you know, Mephisto, and they're going to make Peter Mary Jane married again, and people are going to be all up in arms all over that again. I just, I just am, I don't know. I, I liked your comment that you, you asked earlier uh, in the uh, previous episode, Rodrigo, and it kind of struck me that maybe that's an area of mm-hmm. some discussion and explanation to kind of see where we're all coming from that statement mm-hmm. and where things are going. And it gives a little bit of look into us. I like Rodrigo's charity comment because uh, I give a lot to charity and it's not because I feel guilty. I feel guilty. It's not from some religious upbringing and it's not because uh, I make a big to-do of it. In fact, this is really the only time that I've told people that I give money to charity. It right. just feels like something I want to do out of just... You need their I'm a bast- I'm a bastard all day. There. <laughs> Let me do something that makes me feel good inside that dark, bitter heart of mine. Well, there's... I- Recent, you know, there's been a lot of talk in the in the psychiatric and psychological community about the, you know, not labeling autism or even different kinds of autism, but they're having this autism spectrum. Right. Um, I've seen a lot of tests, taken a lot of tests, and I'm I'm on the autistic. I'm I'm on the other half of the uh, of the autism percentile because you know they ask you questions, and I don't necessarily think in the same way that other people do. Mm-hmm. And charity is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I hey, I'm a, just saying that you know, oh, sure, everybody but can give or not give, and there's sometimes there are more things often than not I won't give until it's something that there are a lot something. of things that people do that right. I've had to figure out. Right, right, um, right. When you know, we go on, a, we do a lot of uh, events. You know, we go to all the way out of like way way out into Tim the boonies of Kansas. Beyond, yeah. To do events, so we'll get there, and it'll be a, a a horrible blizzard. We will drive all the way there in a blizzard, and then right then and there, they will cancel the event. Mm-hmm. And everybody is like, "I can't believe this! I can't believe we drove all this way, and now we don't even get to do this. Let's do it anyway. Let's convince somebody. Let's have this happen anyway." My thought is always like, "Well, I get to go home now." Yeah. You know, it's not yours. Is that base instinct? Of exactly, it's like well, well, not self pleasure, but well, yeah, it's like there's nothing I can do no, about. No, he does this. that at home. <laughs> well, yeah, but I do that on my free time. I don't do that on the clock. Right. Another thing that I've had to figure out that people don't like. What's that? Doing that on the clock. They don't like yeah. that on the clock. <laughs> well, then you sometimes can't see gets, the numbers because yeah, it makes the glass it gets wedged up in there. <laughs> all right, all right. No, what I'm getting at is that you know sometimes I have completely different thought processes, right, right, and, right. and charity is one thing that I've kind of have to yeah. be like, why do people give to charity? Mm-hmm. Why do people annually give to charity? Yeah. Why mm-hmm. do people even? Why do people even donate money to the place where I work, which is completely dependent on people giving them money? Right, right, right. I wonder. Th- I wonder. In 15 years, mm-hmm. your base salary rises to a point if you would change your mind on that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, entirely, it's entirely possible. I've, I've considered the fact that maybe I'm not big into charity because, of my, because I'm a young man and because I've you know, lived in suburbia most of my life and you know, stuff like that. And, and my parents were always extremely good about hiding the, mon- the, the, the times of, of economic duress. Right. So it's possible that I, you know, don't very much relate to people who need charity. Mm-hmm. But even then, you know, my mom had cancer and I've never had this urge to donate to 
yeah. you know, breast cancer right, research right, right, right. Or, or cancer research right, right, in general. Right, right, right. It just it's just not something that comes naturally. Right. It's like donating to a charity is like learning German. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's there. It's possible for me to learn it, but sure. I've never really had no, the no, desire I can, to. I can learn understand it. that, and yeah, that's perfectly yeah. valid valid reason or cause. So, all right, um, let's kind of switch gears off of that. Okay. Now that we're anything, well, let me ask Matthew. Matthew, do you have anything else to add before I turn this truck around and drive you kids back home? I'm double clutching. I would okay. say that if you look at a spectrum, yes. when I say that you are the most cynical, I can definitely see that. But then there's also, you know, if you really, really hyper analyze any person, you're going to find that they're anomalous, you know, readings. And I think that. Maybe I'm the most, um, I don't know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? When you believe the best of things. <laughs> oh, uh, you know, I don't believe that for a second. Most opti- optimistic. Yeah. I, I, I maybe I'm the most optimistic for. or maybe, or maybe. No, uh, yeah, thanks. I, I, I appreciate I that. I would probably, I would probably agree that you're probably most optimistic and I'm most pessimistic. In fact, Rodrigo and I had a big, long conversation last week about my pes- pes- <laughs> about, pessimism about how about Steven controls the universe with his pessimism. <laughs> this is amazing. At some point, yeah, we have to devote much. a whole show about how Steven controls <laughs> yeah. the universe through his pessimism. This terrible thing's probably going to happen. You have that Eeyore moment, but you know, even, even, even though I get to be Piglet and Rodrigo gets to be Rabbit, it's still not our show. <laughs> it's about that goddamn bear. Think think, yeah, think, so, think, 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 no. think, 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 think. You're Eeyore. Oh, oh well, it probably well, would have fallen yeah. off anyway. Yeah, oh, well, the show probably would have crashed anyway. Spider-Man's wife probably would have died anyway. The other thing that uh, popped up and occurred to me when we were recording uh, Tuesday show, Wednesday show, I always say Tuesday because we record it on a Tuesday, um, releases by the time it gets released is on a Wednesday. The other thing that kind of popped up and occurred to me is... Matthew fell in love with Bean World because he got to experience it with his daughter and share in that comic book experience with the daughter. And I'm curious how, and this somewhat applies to Rodrigo um, because he has nephews, Mm -hmm. but how do we get our, how did we get our kids into comics? And I will start by I saying... I just picture Rodrigo leading, leading three identical <laughs> versions of him in little red, green, and yellow suits around <laughs> with their junior woodchuck booklet. <laughs> Gee, Uncle Rodrigo, what are we going to do today? Well, boys, we're going to the Congo. I uh, I will say that day two Huey, of my son Louis being born, us. I was holding him in Paco. my arms, and I was reading him Silver Age Flash stories, mm-hmm. which... On the one hand, I'd like to believe somehow that soaked in, mm-hmm. because the other day, and this is, again, my son is three, all right? The other day, we were at Hastings, and we were going through the action figure aisle, and he was looking at all these people, and he goes, hey, look, Dad, it's the Flash, and this is one of those showcase edition, special edition mm-hmm. that has the very first Flash and, an, and a more updated modern Flash, and I was like, well, Mason, you know who this is? This is Jay Garrick. He's from that that Flash episode, and I'm looking at the other one, I'm like, and this one is either Barry or Wally. And he takes a good long look at it, and he looks at me and goes, no, Dad, that's Barry. Hmm. And he knew because of the way that the costume was made and portrayed and everything. I was like, you know what? I think you're right. Even though it didn't say it on the box, mm-hmm. 
he was you check he was his right. eyes. Yeah, that, that was it. That was the eyes. Nice. And I was like, they're very good. You did it. Um, and so I'd like to think that day two of him sitting there, me reading Silver Age Flash to him, had some kind of an impact. But I think it was more along the lines of him just tagging along with me to different things, going to a comic book show, seeing all these people, and then saying to him one day, here is an age-appropriate comic book for you, whether it be uh, Batman, Brave and the Bold, or... Howley. Howley. He did, did kind of like that, but he tends, tends to like the superhero stuff a little mm-hmm. bit better, to where he just kind of absorbed it. And when we were digging through the back issues the other day, when I was trying to find these editions of uh, Legends of the Dark Knight, there was a Batman Brave and the Bold issue that he hadn't seen yet. He goes, Daddy, I want that Brave and the Bold. Let mm-hmm. me have it. And then he'd pick it up, and, and we found a couple of other issues, and he was holding them, very proudly holding them under his arm. And he's like, Daddy, let me, let me hold those Batman issues for you. And I was like, okay, here you go, if you really want to hold them. I mean, it's kind of a lot. I mean, the books are half the size of you, right. you know, half as tall as he is. And he kind of is dropping them a little bit, and then he picks it up, and he looks at my covers, and then looks at his covers. He goes, no, Daddy, I think these comic books are more for you than me. Mm-hmm. And it's like these very little smart moments of recognition of, where he fits into comic books and what he likes and what he doesn't doesn't like. Mm-hmm. And I can't really pinpoint a specific moment where I said, here, son, it's a comic book. Read it. Because he just kind of, it's been there all his life and right. probably, hopefully, will be uh, for the rest of his life. Matthew, is that how it evolved with, with your daughter? Yeah, for her, it was a matter of proper accessories. Mm. Molly has always loved uh, earrings and necklaces and tiaras and things. And uh, the Legion cartoon from a couple of years ago, Saturn Girl not only wore pink, but had big earrings in the Giant shape earrings. of planet Saturn. Okay. okay. Yep. And Saturn Girl was what actually made her care because she saw a superhero who was pink with big earrings. And this was relevant to her interests. And at that point, you know, the rest of the Legion, the rest of the Legion came along. And that's really the moment. She loved it when Matter Eater Lad ate the monster and ate the bomb and went, tastes like chicken. So even though she knows about Daddy's Room is off limits or Daddy's Room is no touch stuff uh, that you've talked about before, Mm -hmm. she didn't become interested until that moment. I mean, really interested in comic books. Sorry, it's awfully late. No, 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 that's all right. Legion was the first The first part. Um, she bought, an, well, I bought her an issue of uh, the Legion comic with Arm Fall-Off Boy. Mm-hmm. And she found Arm Fall-Off Boy to be absolutely hysterical. But she really didn't start caring about comics until Tales of the Bean World because she's become more and more convinced that she's going to be an artist. And... Oh. We talked about Tales of the Bean World, and we had a few issues, and we went to the comic shops, and we couldn't find any more. And we went to, you know, the vintage junk, and we couldn't find any more. And finally, she and I went online, and we looked it up, and there were 21 issues. And she's like, okay, well, let's get them all. (laughs) And I said, okay. And I came home. I came home from work. I was working at the comic store the next day, and she's like, daddy, daddy, the internet was wrong. There are 22. And she handed me. A hand-drawn copy Aww. of Tales of the Bean World number 22 that she created with her own character, Bella Bean, Aww. who uh, comes to Bean World. And, of course, you know, she was sad because she didn't think it was good as Larry's. 
Yeah. But she was also thrilled to find out that Larry goes to comic conventions because we've been to a comic convention. And Larry apparently was doing a thing a couple of years ago where he would not give you, he would not sell you a copy of, you know, a Bean World sketch. If you wanted a copy of Mr. Spook, you had to draw Larry your copy of Mr. Spook and he would trade you his sketch. Ah, nice. cool. So she's, she was super excited about being able to trade her sketch. We went to, um, Planet Comic Con the year that it was a blizzard. Yeah. She liked that. She liked Supergirl. She mostly liked the toys that year, but really it was Bean World that made her actually care about comics. There are two books on her pull list right now. Wow, she got a pull um, list. The Tick. Yeah, the Tick and then the uh Smurf collections because we got the purple Smurf and Oh yeah, yeah. She loves the purples. Get out, get out. We need to yeah, we need to talk about that in an upcoming show. Smurfs. Mm-hmm. Probably when that movie gets closer to coming out. What about you, Rodrigo? Was there a moment where you have indoctrinated your little nephews into the world of comics and said, <laughs> boys, I'm going to tell you a story. Oh, yes. Sit down. Uncle Rodrigo is going to explain the world to you. Last last year's uh, new comic book It's cooler if you say to you, Rodrigo. Yeah. <laughs> um, last year's free comic book day was, was a big, big moment because... There was that Toy Story book. Oh, yeah, yeah. There was Owly. Owly. And there was, like, I looked, I made very sure to look through that uh, um, Thor, Iron Man, Avengers team up to make sure that there wasn't anything too questionable. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the story is, you know, you can, depending on what you as a parent, you know, care about, you know, my my sister could have had an issue with it, but she didn't. Um, So I gave my oldest nephew those books and, you know, told them, I was like, you have to be careful with these because they're very frail. Mm -hmm. And my nephew is a big kid and he's always been big and he plays with kids who are two or three years older than him because kids that are his age or younger break. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) I don't know what happened. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And basically there are two things that my nephew is careful with. His comics that I gave him mm-hmm. and his little brother. Mm-hmm. So that that is to me says this this kid is going to enjoy comics because he understands that you have to be careful with books and with comics. And you know, right now he's into picture books. Right. Um, but eventually I hope to, to 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 that that he will learn that all books kind of have to be treated with this level of, of, of respect. Right. Um otherwise they will break and you won't have them anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's that, that batch of comics. And I remember, I don't, I think I told you guys about it. You know, when I went up, he found <laughs> my, that, that copy of, of Squadron Supreme, which I think I borrowed from you, Stephen, yeah. or, or possibly Somewhere. you bought for me. I don't yeah. remember. Um, um, and, and you could see him just how excited he was. He didn't understand what was going on, but he went through and, you know, I taught him the names of all of them and I would flip the page and be like, okay, who's that? Peon. Right, right, right. Tom Tom. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I'm like, wow, kid, you're going to have a weird upbringing of the first superheroes you're encountering are the Squadron Supreme. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's funny with Mason, too, <laughs> because um, they're learning their letters. He, I mean, he already knows his alphabet forward and backward, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but at daycare, they are going through the alphabet one letter a week. And then on Friday, they're supposed to bring in a show and tell thing. I've nerded this. I've ruined this kid. I've nerded nice, him up nice. way too much. Every week he takes a superhero themed show and tell show and tell that does that week's letter. So, uh, a was, who was a crap? I forget who it was. animal man. It may have been animal man, but we had no Aquaman was nice. a 
Batman was B, Captain America was C, um, D was, and we've just gone through the right. whole alphabet that way. And every week the teachers are like, oh, I wonder what Mason's going to bring in next. <laughs> you know, I can sit him down and he, we can go through a comic book and he can just name off mm-hmm. characters and just, oh, that's that, 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 that. The recent couple of podcasts where Math- Matthew and I have geeked on about uh, Batman Brave, and, Brave the and the Bold is only because that that and um, Superhero Squad are the real only episodes that he will sit and watch repeatedly. Mm-hmm. He will get to the end of a Batman Brave and the Bold episode and say, I want to watch that again. And it's like, really? You want to watch it again? We just watch it. No, I want to watch it again. And we'll watch it again from the beginning. And then after that, I mean, we'll watch it three times in a row mm-hmm. before he decides he wants to watch something else. And so for me, I'm sitting there watching that three times in a row so I can analyze and pick up on all this stuff. And that's kind of, I think that's kind of the same way with you and Molly, right, Matthew? Mm-hmm. Matthew has fallen asleep. And I think that I kind of am, actually. <laughs> the right, Brave and the Bold there. is a good example because she'll find characters she's never heard of, and she will ask me. And uh, recently we had friends over, and of course, uh, my 11-year-old nephew thinks that I'm super guy because I know everything. And he's like, have you heard of a superhero called this? And Molly's like, Colin, you don't need to ask if daddy has heard of any superhero. (laughs) Daddy has heard of all the superheroes. Yeah. So, you know, definitely the moment that that sticks with me recently is the Uncle Sam episode. She still likes when she's like, all right. We're in for some serious stuff. She will roll up her sleeves like Uncle Sam, <laughs> and she'll get ready for some two-fisted punch in the face. Well, so. and that's kind of maybe a little bit different with Mason because uh, with him, when he gets to that part of um, the Knights of Tomorrow where the Joker bends over and rips one off, he still just rolls on the floor and laughs with mm-hmm. that one, even though he's seen that one 50 times since it's aired. But yeah, She asked ah, me the other day, boy. she's like, why, why did Uncle Sam turn Batman into Captain America? Yeah, that's what my wife asked the same question. Nice. Why is he Captain America? No, you don't get it. He's in he's infused with the spirit of America. Yep. <laughs> no, he's Captain America. It's an in joke. Play along. <laughs> he All threw right. a is trash there... can lid. He's Captain America. <laughs> yes, it was that. Um, is there anything that you keep your daughter away from? I mean, obviously the boys yeah. and uh, and that kind of stuff. But I mean, is there anything that she's like? And by that he means the comic book, the boys. Although presumably yeah. pretty soon, we're going to keep her <laughs> right? From but the I boys. mean, if if she sat down and picked up the latest issue of Batgirl and wanted to read it, would you say, mm-hmm. ah, why don't we wait? Why don't we go find this issue of Betty and Veronica? <laughs> there are certain things that Molly is not allowed to say. And I have not taught her that there are bad words. I've taught her there are words that are impolite. There are words that people do not want to hear from a little girl. And there are words that are just plain hurtful and rude. Right. But uh, she has, for the last three years, owned a copy of the Stewie Griffin Family Guy three-parter that came out on CD or DVD. Grandma sent her that thinking, it's it's a cartoon and it says family, Uh. it must be fine. (laughs) <laughs> she's not allowed to watch Family Guy, and if she walks into the room while Family Guy is on, she will cover her eyes and yell, I'm not allowed to watch this. Ah, uh, okay. So there are certain things. Last night we were uh, playing on AdultSwim.com, and we were playing uh, Zombie, what is it? No, Robot Unicorn Explosion. 
Right. And she's like, what's Hemp Tycoon? And I'm like, we're not going to play that game. That's a grown-up game. She's like, can we play Stripper Pole Hero? I'm like, no, honey, because I don't want to explain the things that I'm going to have to explain. She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, that's a grown-up game, and you will ask questions that I'm not ready to answer. And she's like, okay. Yeah, we've had a few issues with that with, with the boy. Oh, yeah. 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 All right. Well, Matthew, she's is about actually ready to been fall really asleep. good about you know not saying the things that we have told her are rude yeah. because it's not it's not something where we don't ever want to hear you say that. It's just right, right, it's right, not right. nice. It's, it's inappropriate. It's wrong. So he he learned a, she's pretty good. He learned it. a valuable lesson about name calling mm-hmm. here in the house. He and I do joke around a lot and call each other other names, mm-hmm. and it's and it's fun. And he laughs, and I laugh, and I, you know. I pretend like it's hurtful or whatever. But the other day at school, one of his friends called him one of the names that either he calls me or I call him. He mm-hmm. called him a dummy head or something like that. And he just broke down crying. And I was like, well, what's the matter? He goes, but he called me that. I'm like, well, you and I call each other those names. He goes, yeah, but when you and I do it, it's for fun. Mm-hmm. And when he said it, it hurt my feelings. And it's yep. like, oh, okay, well, see, you, you learn some things about words that hurt and harm and what's appropriate and not appropriate. So he's, he's yeah. growing, I guess. I haven't warped him too much, I guess. To, well, not so too much. We, we ruin our much. children. It's, we are going to it's, ruin it's our children. It's do, just yes. a matter of how we, it's how we mitigate the damage. You know, we were at Thanksgiving and I mentioned my mother and as is the custom in our house, you know, no, no subject is completely off limits. Molly just pipes up. Isn't your mom dead? Yeah. Yeah. At which point her two cousins, her two cousins who've been adopted into the family said, oh, yeah, our mom's dead, too. And it started to turn into all the kids (laughs) having a discussion about dead moms and grandma stepped in and shut it down real quick. But, you know, it was one of those things where afterwards I'm like, Molly, people don't really necessarily think it's it's polite to talk about someone being dead at dinner. And she's like, why? Yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, I I really don't know, but that, that's you just stop. You're fine. Yep, 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 yep. All right, we better end it there. There you now. You now that our listeners know that we're just as messed up as. Wait, them. wait, 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 Batman. Now it's a comic related discussion, and we can move on. <laughs> All hey, right, Steven, you know what? So much. Yes. What? Batman butt. Oh, okay, basketball head. <laughs> um. All right, Rodrigo is leaving us for a few weeks. Matthew and I will attempt to carry on without Rodrigo. It will be a sad, it's quiet place. It's the all-fat white guy cavalcade <laughs> through the rest of 2011. Join us to hear our arteries harden and talk about how we don't understand kids today. I know we don't have Rodrigo and here. It's to keep Frisbee lands on my lawn. I'm keeping yep. it. <laughs> you guys are dorks. <laughs> Just record me saying that and add it in every once in a while. You know, Rodrigo, now that you put it that way, I do kind of feel like a dork when I say things like that. <laughs> Thank you, Rodrigo, Thanks. for explaining Thank that you, to Rodrigo. me. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if I want to change anything. <laughs> <laughs> Streaky, I don't like your new powers. <laughs> All right, everybody, have a great yeah, rest crypto of your weekend. sounds more and more like Forrest Gump every time. Have you noticed that? Strike, Strike eh? Strike, eh? I don't think that's a good idea. Run, Strike, run. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. 
You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash majorspoilers and on MySpace at myspace.com slash majorspoilers. Fat Dick's revision of a Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, they kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm Stark Raven rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline But would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fine be in the Middle East With a king sign throwing soldier what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler Whoa, 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 whoa. What a major spoiler Major Spoilers Podcast Copyright 2010 When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. It's Stangy Law Firm. We represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.